Welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham. Today's episode is probably going to be a pretty quick one. Just kind of go over some of the events that have happened in the world around us. Kind of talk a little bit about how the NBA has responded to that. Talk about how Cleveland sports in particular have responded to that. And uh, we have some other Cavs notes that we can get to, but we'll, we'll start with what has happened to 29-year-old Jacob Blake of Wisconsin, who was shot seven times in the back by police. He uh, He's an African-American man. He reached into his car during, I guess you could say, uh, uh, no, I don't know exactly what was going on there. He had some criminal charges, but he, he reached into his car reportedly based off of witness reports to break up a fight between two women, and he was shot seven times in the back. And he is now paralyzed from the waist down. Clearly, it is not something that, you know, the African-American community and really something that that nobody should be okay with, but the NBA in particular and other sports have followed. But we've seen boycotts in the league started by the Milwaukee Bucks in Game 5 of the Bucks-Magic game. The Magic went right behind him and said, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll... we stand with you, and obviously, we saw we're past it now. But we saw, you know, multiple the entire Orlando bubble shut down for a few days, and there were discussions as to whether the season would even resume. We thought that you know the, all the league boycotting that it, it, we we didn't know it was going to happen. But it, it, we have games back now. We've seen you know the MLB boycott games. Obviously, the the WNBA has been right there as well. The NHL has gotten involved, but um. Out of this, we have seen change. You know, to those who say that you know skipping out on a game will it won't do anything. I think that that's clearly wrong. I think we've already you know the the issue of social injustice is something that's not going to change overnight. But we we've, we've already seen steps taken after this boycott that have are steps in the right direction. So we'll we'll get into what Cleveland in particular has done. The head coaches and front office executives from the Cleveland Cavaliers, Indians, and Browns have announced to have announced an alliance to develop a sustainable and direct strategy to address social injustice in Cleveland and all of Northeast Ohio. The members who are part of this right now are Cavs GM Kobe Altman and head coach J.B. Bickerstaff, the Indians president of baseball operations Chris Antonetti, their their general manager Mike Chernoff, and manager Terry Francona and Browns GM Andrew Barry and their head coach Kevin Stefanski. The alliance will also focus on improving the relationship between law enforcement and its citizens, encouraging nonpartisan voting activities, and increasing the opportunities for quality education for everybody. The group will utilize their team platforms to coordinate activities that invoke a call to action and positive outcomes, and the players from each team will have the opportunities to get involved. We've seen Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, Andre Drummond, Alfonso McKinney, Jordan Bell, Dylan Windler all come out in support of the players' decisions in Orlando to set out the games. You know, all of them, you know, with their own message on Twitter backing the players. You know, I don't have any of the particular tweets in front of me, but but backing the people in Orlando who decided to boycott these games and standing right alongside them. And after the announcement of this alliance, we also saw Larry Nance come out 
and say that you know he's he's proud of the of these teams for doing this and he's proud of the city. Bickerstaff had a quote on Twitter saying that if you can watch, cheer, celebrate, and share in their pain off the court, talking about the players, you should share in their pain off the court and show empathy for them if you value them as human beings. Acknowledge that they are hurting. Ask why. They are more than entertainment. Cavs GM Kobe Altman said in a statement that we have an extraordinary opportunity to make a lasting impact on society and the Cavaliers are committed to help bring about that change. Social and economic disparity in our community reveals some ugly truths, and Coach Bickerstaff and I are honored to be at the table to address these issues with such a prominent group of our peers. We never take for granted our place in the fabric of the Cleveland, of Cleveland, and hopefully our coming together inspires others to join us. GM of the Browns, Andrew Barry, in a statement said, We understand the platform our organization has to make a positive impact on these important issues. Coach Defensky and I began discussing how we might be able to evaluate and broaden the imp- that impact by expanding the dialogue to our counterparts in Cleveland. It quickly became apparent that partnering with the other teams in our city would help our region come together so we can collectively address these problems that we've all been working to help solve independently. And finally, from Chris Antonetti of the Indians, he said that we recognize the profound impact that professional sports have on the greater Cleveland community and the enormous responsibility that comes with such a platform. While the circumstances that have highlighted the need for this partnership are disheartening, Tito being Terry Francona, Mike and I are excited for the opportunity to work with such a power or such a thoughtful and diverse group of leaders to identify opportunities for positive to be a positive force for change. There is a lot of work to do and we believe that this partnership will serve to amplify our collective impact. The community connection the emotional connection to these teams will serve as the foundation of this alliance. And while initial actions will concentrate on voting, voter education, voter registration, they will also connect and work in partnership with community and civic leaders and minority organizations to address issues impacting these individuals that they represent. The Cavaliers, along with the rest of the NBA, have also opened up their arena Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse and have turned it into a voting will turn it into a voting facility targeted in particular at communities who are vulnerable to the coronavirus pandemic. So that's again looking at that and looking at what has happened with you know all of the NBA arenas. The change is clear, and I shouldn't say the change is quite so clear, but the action to bring change is clear, and. You know, I applaud the players who took the stand to bring about these changes, and I know that they are fighting to continue to bring about change, and I, I look forward to seeing what it is that they bring next. So that's all I have as far as that goes. I do have some other Cavaliers notes. They seem a little bit less important after talking about something like this, but it is still what's going on with the Cavs, so... We'll talk about it for a little bit. Hoopheads Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central with Justin Matcham. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards with Matt Collier and Marlon Guild, and our other two team-focused NBA pods, Grizz and Grind, 
and Nuck if you buck. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. First note, Ante Zizic has officially signed in Maccabee Tel Aviv on a two-year deal. So that officially ends his time with the Cavs. We've we've gone over this multiple times now. It's really, I, I don't know what more we can say about Ante Zizic on this podcast as far as his time in Cleveland ending, but that, that is official. So he seems to be happy to be there. I'm sure Maccabee Tel Aviv is happy to have him. It's, it's disappointing that it didn't work out with Ante, but I'm, I'm happy that I'm happy that he's he seems to be looking forward to this next chapter. So so good for Ante's for that. Looking at the next thing, an opposing executive believes that the Cavs will end up trading their number five overall pick. He said that they don't really want to bring in another young unknown. I personally wouldn't read into this all that much. It doesn't seem like I, I struggled to interpret what that exactly means. Another young unknown. I mean, the, the, you're not going to get a, a super elite prospect, but looking at the Cavaliers' range of Denny Abdia, Isaac Okoro, Onyeka Kongwu, Obi Toppin, even you know whoever else, I don't. I wouldn't call these players unknowns. You know, we're not drafting in the second round, and I mean, nothing is a sure thing in the draft. But just looking at the members of the organization in Cleveland, they were together on on the night of the lottery on a Zoom call, reportedly. And when their pick landed at five, the, the vibe was a lot different than it was last year when they landed at five, missing out on Zion and, you know, John Morant and RJ Barrett. It, it said that, you know, it, things seemed to be fine. You know, a source said through a text that, you know, it was all good and that they were fine, saying that they could get another, or that they will get another really good player. Now, by saying that, do you mean, you know, you're going to take Okoro or Adia or somebody else, you know, even Devin Vassell's in that conversation? Or are they talking about trading it? You know, there's been, obviously the Ben Simmons rumors have been addressed here. I don't think that's going to happen. There's always other players. We could see Kelly Oubre potentially become available, Gary Harris, Zach Levine. There's, there's names out there, but I, I might end up doing another separate podcast on just looking at those potential trades. I've talked about a few different potential trades on here, but there's definitely more to address. I personally believe the Cavs should keep the pick unless you're going to get somebody like Ben Simmons, Kelly Oubre kind of are the two that come to mind for me that if you're going to make a trade, you know, that's somebody that I think if you can get them for that fifth pick, then you absolutely go for it. Ben Simmons, you know, would definitely require more than that. But I, I don't, I'm not really a huge fan of just giving up the pick Especially not for like a veteran player who's just going to help next season, help win now. That should not be the Cavs' mindset. I know that Dan Gilbert has put pressure on the organization to start winning some games. But like, while it's not the most valuable pick of all time, it's still a fifth overall pick in a draft where there's there's players worth taking. Okay, I, personally, Isaac Okoro, I think, could be a very, very good player and he's would fit in with this team perfectly as far as what this team needs and what he brings. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't read into this whole report too much of the Cavs almost, you know, making up their mind as far as what they're going to do with this pick as far as trading it. I, I would say an opposing executive probably knows more than I know, but just looking at it logically, it doesn't really seem to make that all that much sense. So, moving on, Andre Drummond. 
on the Defensive Player of the Year ballot did receive one vote for Defensive Player of the Year. He had five points total. You get one point for first place. You get, I think, three points for second place. And if I'm correct, three, one plate, one point for third place. And he ended up with one first place vote, five points. Only one person gave him that vote, and they gave him the Defensive Player of the Year. So Andre Drummond locked down defensive cornerstone, not Giannis, not Rudy Gobert. This was the same person, I won't mention the name of the man who voted for Andre, but he's the same person who put Luka Doncic on his first team, all defense. And he also had Hassan Whiteside finish second for Defensive Player of the Year. I don't know how somebody like this gets a vote, but if you can't understand that there is more to defense than grabbing a rebound at the end of the possession, because again, Andre, fantastic rebounder. Luca for his position, very good rebounder. Part of that's because of his size, but well, most of that's because of his size. Same with Hassan, very good rebounder. But And you can look at Hassan, and you know Hassan gets a lot of blocks as well, but he's somebody who, for, for every one block that he makes, he makes about four defensive mistakes and really hurts you, really, on that end of the floor. I wouldn't say that Andre hurts you on that end like Hassan does a lot of times, but I think watching and looking at, you know, numbers, he's, other than rebounding numbers, he's clearly not a defensive player of the year. Everybody but the one guy seems to agree with him, so, but we'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. Andre Drummond, defensive player of the year. Maybe we, maybe we can go for that again next year. And the last note that I have here, former Cavaliers coach Tyron Lue, will be pursued by a number of teams as their head coach this offseason. He was the assist, he was an assistant coach with the Clippers this past offseason. There seems to be some interest between Lou and the Sixers, the mutual interest there. There's also been some interest from the Pelicans and the Nets as well. The Nets seem to be pessimistic about their chances now. Doesn't really seem like that is as likely to happen as it once was. And the Nets are also, the Nets are trying other things. Obviously, they're not in the Kenny Atkinson race. They just fired him. But they're looking at Greg Popovich as a potential guy. I, I, maybe it can happen. I don't know everything, but that doesn't, that would be a dream scenario for them. But I just, I don't see them happening. I wouldn't be surprised if they just stick with Jock Fawn, their current coach. The players seem to respect him. I thought he did about as good of a job he can do with that Brooklyn team in Orlando. So likely won't see Lou with the Nets. The Pelicans, I think, are still a very real possibility, but the, the, the Sixers seem to be the front runners right now. One thing that could get in the way of all of this is the fact that Lou is reportedly seeking $7 million a season on his next contract. An average coach, in mind, it, it, keep in mind, earns about $3 million a season. So Lou is a coach with championship pedigree. He's proven that he can coach stars and be kind of tough, but also maintain a good relationship. And he, he proved that in LeBron with LeBron and Kyrie and Love in Cleveland. And he seems to be a respected guy around the league. He gets a bad... He has a bad reputation on Twitter just because he coached LeBron and people who don't know what they're talking about like to think that whoever is coaching LeBron isn't really that good of a coach just because LeBron kind of does what he wants to. But I think Lou was basically the perfect coach for that team in Cleveland and I think he would be a very good coach in Philadelphia as well. So 
Another former Cavs coach that's in the race for that Philly job is Mike Brown, who served two different stints in Cleveland as head coach, first time from 2005 to 2010, and then again from 2013 to 2014. Just another guy that's in the mix. I mean, we always see some of those bottom names on there. He, he'll he probably get an interview. I doubt he gets the job. Maybe he has interest from other teams as well. I'm not really sure. Don't really know there. But another guy who, he's been an assistant with the Warriors here for a while. So we could, we, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens. I, I don't expect Mike Brown to be a coach next year. I, I do expect Aaron Lou to be a coach. So... None of it's set in stone, though, right now. It's all, I mean, we, we'll have to wait until... The, the, the Clippers are still playing right now, so... Obviously, no, no traction is being made with Tyron Lue until the season's end, most likely. But that is all I have for today. Thank you for listening. Again, I know this is going to be a, a shorter episode, but definitely some things that needed to be discussed here, and we had some other additional notes. So, again, just thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed listening... If you've enjoyed any of my episodes, please subscribe, um, leave a leave a rating, leave a review. If you're on iTunes, do whatever you'd like to a podcast that you enjoyed listening to. You know what to do. And uh, yeah, we'll be back on Thursday. That may be talking about some of those potential trades, some potential trades for the number five pick. I haven't quite decided yet. But uh, real quick before I go, we also saw the Lakers. Make it to the playoffs, looking back at some former Cavs again. They beat the Trailblazers in five games. So LeBron, JR, Danny Green, Deion Waiters, and the gang are moving on. We saw the Bucks end up, after the season has resumed now, beat the Magic. So Kyle Korver and George Hill are in round two. There's some other games that are yet to happen as well. Another notable one is uh, Jordan Clarkson and the Utah Jazz are up 3-2 on the Denver Nuggets. So... That game is yet to be played. I'm recording this on Sunday right before 1 o'clock, so they'll be playing tonight. We'll see what happens there. Utah will have the chance to close it out. But, uh, yeah, other than that, I'll get out of here now. So, again, thank you you so much for listening, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.